take our Bibles this morning, please turn to Matthew chapter 5. Turn back to Matthew chapter 5, right? Uh, we're making our way, Marilyn, through the, the gospel of Matthew, right? Matthew's gospel. And uh, last Sunday morning, we began uh, taking a look at the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to take our time uh, making our way through uh, this first great discourse, great sermon of Christ. Uh, we're looking first, of course, at the Beatitudes and, and taking our time here. Uh, let's stand together if you're able to. I want to just read through the, the first uh, 12 or so verses again this morning. Uh, if you're able to stand, let, let's stand in deference to the Lord. And uh, we'll read here this morning Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, uh, down through verse 12, the Beatitudes once again. Here the Bible says, And seeing the multitudes... Uh, he, Jesus, of course, went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We looked at that last week together with verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, uh, mourn sin, we understand to be the primary meaning here, uh, for they shall be comforted. Now, verse 5 says this, blessed are the meek, we'll look at this this morning, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after what, church? Righteousness, righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your what, church? In where? In heaven. Great is your reward in heaven, so, uh, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Uh, the Beatitudes this morning, part two. The Beatitudes, part two. Let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for this passage. Lord, we understand this morning, we've taken care to uh, understand in, in context that this is uh, a sort of constitution for the kingdom, uh, literally for the Jews in the millennium. But Father, I thank you this morning that uh, we can certainly draw out principles and make application uh, this side of the millennial reign of Christ and apply these things for your honor and glory in our lives today. Father, I thank you this morning that we can do that because of Christ and because of the Holy Spirit who indwells us and who empowers us to live according to your words. I pray, Father, this morning that each of us would just yield now, bow our hearts before you, yield to the Spirit, uh, and, and desire that you would work in our hearts this morning. Lord, show us, uh, help us to understand these things this morning, uh, and Lord, show us if our hearts are not right in uh, any of these things that we'll see this morning. Lord, if you convict, if there's sin, give us hearts, please, to be quick to agree with you, quick to confess and quick to seek your grace to put off the, uh, the disobedience, the sin, and to put on obedience in its place. Lord, for your honor and your glory. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you bless, you bless obedience. Lord, I love you this morning. I thank you. Thank you so very much for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for my Savior, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, one, one of our men said that this is one of his favorite passages, and uh, I think it's, it's, is it one of yours also? I mean, it's, right, it, we're, we're so familiar with, with this passage, and uh, it is wonderful, it's encouraging. Uh, Marilyn, I just, I love passages, as you know, where I can look in and see, hey, this is what God desires in our lives, and if we'll take that up in his power and his strength and, and walk according to the, to the words of our Savior and the principles that, that he teaches, he'll bless us for that. Now, if you're visiting this morning, we want you to know we, we don't teach a health and a wealth gospel. We don't teach that, hey, if you'll just come to Christ, everything will be perfect. Lord will give you uh, every, everything. Uh, he'll meet our needs, right, Marilyn? Is God meeting your needs? Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, but we understand this morning, he doesn't promise uh, health or wealth or any of those things. In fact, God will permit the opposite sometimes to create an opportunity to grow our reliance upon him to teach us uh, and to correct us. Now, we, I, as I prayed this morning, we, we took care last week to kind of put this in context. Um, Matthew, of course, is the, is the gospel that is sort of most Jewish and uh, was, was directed uh, first and kind of primarily to uh, a Jewish audience in the first century. We understand that. It's uh, teaching uh, Christ, the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies, uh, Christ, the one who ultimately will be the king uh, of the millennial reign here on earth, a perfected earth to be followed by a, a new heaven and a new earth, according to scripture, right? All part of our hope that we have. And uh, these things that the Lord is preaching here are, are literally for that time. The, uh, they literally form, as, as I've said, sort of a constitution for the kingdom. They have their most literal fulfillment and application in the millennium. But, Rich, again, I'm thankful this morning that we can read and study and, uh, and, and take these principles, knowing that these are things that God desires to bless uh, and ask the Lord to help us conform our lives to the things that we see here uh, today, this side of heaven, this side of the rapture, this side of the millennial reign of Christ, and, and all of those things that follow, and uh, trust that if we will study these things and ask God to help us apply them today, uh, he'll be pleased. Amen? He'll be pleased. And does that matter? Does that matter? Revelation 4.11, we're created for his pleasure, right? That matters, and uh, I want to do that to please the Lord. Um, it's okay to want to please him so that he can bless you. That's, that's certainly okay. But uh, my desire is to see what God desires so that uh, I could take these things up and walk in these things uh, in strength, the power, a grace from the Lord uh, in order that he be pleased, in order that my life will honor him and glorify him. Is that your hope this morning? Is that your desire to kind of take up the words of God with his help and walk in them for his honor and his glory? Isn't it an amazing privilege, sister, that we have to, to live our lives in a way that can bring honor and glory to the Lord? Um, that's, that's an incredible privilege. And I know it's, you know, we fall short a lot, don't we? That's where we meet his grace and his mercy all over again, made possible by the cross. But Man, when, when my life is conformed to his words uh, in his strength, it is an amazing privilege that I have to uh, honor the Lord and, and glorify him in, in my obedience. So uh, look with me down at the passage again quickly. In, in verse 3 last Sunday morning, we saw that 
uh, Jesus proclaimed a blessing for the, the poor in spirit. We saw that. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, again, he's, keep in mind, please, he's speaking to saved people. He's not saying, hey, this is how you get to heaven. No, these, these are, this is how saved people are, are to conform their, their lives. Uh, there's blessing for that. And then in verse 4, he said, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I said, you know, we could apply that in the context of mourning the way we think of it. If there's been some loss, the Lord is there to comfort us. And I, I'm thankful for that. Uh, that said, we took care last week to understand it as I believe the Lord understands it or intends it. Uh, we took care to understand that the Lord is teaching about mourning sin, uh, mourning sin in our lives, hating sin, not, not the sinner, but sin in our lives, and, and mourning the presence of sin in our lives. Uh, have you thought about that this week? You think about, boy, I really ought to hate the sin that's in my... Does anybody have sin in their life still? Church? Yeah, still, still, there's still that battle, right? Uh, are you learning to hate it? <laughs> are, are you learning to mourn at the sin? Uh, doesn't our sin grieve the Spirit of God, church? Doesn't it grieve the Spirit? And, and where is he? He's indwelling us, right? So, you, I mean, if you're sinning, you're, you can't escape the Lord. Um, I understand my sin's forgiven, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, the blood of Christ that he shed covers my sin, and I've repented of sin and put my faith in Christ, so my sin is forgiven. But practically speaking, as I choose to continue sin, uh, that grieves the Spirit of God. And I'll mourn that, and if I will, that'll, that'll be a great aid to my repentance and my sanctification uh, along the way. So we, we took care to understand that verse that way. Uh, they shall be comforted. Aren't you glad this morning that uh, just as you were comforted when you first came to Christ for salvation, uh, as a believer, when you repent of sin and seek God's grace and strength to turn from it, to put it off, and put on obedience in his place, uh, the, the conviction uh, goes, I think I said last week, and, and the comfort of God flows in in its place. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad for the comfort of the Lord when you confess sin, when you repent of it? I'm, I, church, I am. <laughs> I am. Uh, I hope you are too. Well, I want to try to look at two more um, um, of the Beatitudes this morning. Uh, so it would be number three, number one today, but number three in our uh, ongoing outline. Jesus proclaims a blessing for the meek. He, he proclaims a blessing uh, for the meek. This is verse 5. Uh, look here with me in verse 5. Blessed are, remember blessed means happy. That's literally what it means. Uh, so the Lord is proclaiming a, 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 a blessing of, of happiness. Blessed are the meek, uh, the meek, uh, for they shall inherit uh, the what? The earth. That's a pretty big inheritance, Brother Richard. And uh, again, we, if we understand it in the context of this really uh, being uh, realized most fully or most completely uh, in the millennial reign of Christ. Well, it's, it's believers, right, who are, in a sense, going to inherit that perfected earth in the millennium. So, uh, again, this morning, we understand the next big event on God's timeline is the rapture, the catching away of believers, uh, followed by a seven-year tribulation period. The Lord will pour out judgments and trials uh, to bring Jews first to Christ and, and others. And after that, he'll return with us and usher in his thousand-year uh, reign. That's our understanding of future events. Marilyn, if we're wrong, God correct us, right? God, God correct us. Uh, uh, give us teachable hearts. I don't think we're wrong about that. 
but, but these things, the, this is the, um, the perfected earth of the millennial kingdom that is, is the blessing that, that's in picture here. Uh, and so, we, again, we, we take care to understand that. But the big idea, the principle here is that God desires to bless his people uh, who walk with a godly, Christ-honoring uh, meekness. Well, what, what is that word? What, what does it really mean? It has the idea of, of gentleness. It, it has the idea of a gentle spirit and walking according to a, uh, a gentleness. Uh, the word translated meekness, it refers to a, a calm temper. Has anybody here ever struggled with their temper? Uh, visitors, sometimes I, I say, I'll raise both hands. If I could raise both feet, I would, but I'd fall down, right? <laughs> Anybody here ever struggle with temper? Anybody? I mean, we, we do, right? Um, can you say this this morning? Can you say, yes, sure enough, I, maybe I still do, but I, I think back over the years how the Lord has worked in my spirit and, and grown me spiritually. And while I still may be tempted to kind of fly off the handle uh, and, and, and to be given to a... Uh, a prideful anger, not a righteous indignation, but a, a prideful temper tantrum. Uh, I think maybe I'm doing a little bit better than I did in the past. Could you say that? Could anybody say that this morning? I still struggle sometimes, but I, I praise God that I, I, think, I think the Lord's grown me a little bit from where I was to where I am. I'm going to take a minute and say, thank you, Lord. I praise you for that. Could you say that this morning? Lord, thank you for growing me. I know I'm not there yet. I'm not, uh, I'm not perfected in, in, in heaven yet, but God, as I yielded to you, the Spirit of God, uh, since I've been saved, sure enough, you have been sanctifying me. You have been growing me. Could you say that this morning? Uh, praise God. Be, be, be excited about that. Praise God for that this morning. Uh, Lord, we're still struggling, though. Church, are we still? Everyone says, yep, sure enough, Pastor, we're, we're still struggling. Keep praying. Lord, help me to be yielded to you and, and, and keep praying. Uh, this uh, idea of meekness is gentleness, it's calmness, uh, it's not being easily provoked. To be meek is to be gentle, uh, to not be easily provoked or irritated. It's it's a willingness to endure provocation or the bad behavior of others without that sort of snap response, I've got to get that person, I've got to retaliate. Uh, we had uh, some college students looking at the Ultima, the Nissan, we we're trying to sell that uh, last night. We were joking around about how things can go hard, can, can be, um, is, have you ever been, let me say this differently, have you ever been on the highway? And, and struggled to be Christ-like on the highway? Anybody? Do you know what I mean, Brother Ray? You're not perfectly Christ-like on the highway? I was talking about how this car, if someone is following you too closely, you can pretend that you're just spraying the windshield fluid on your own windshield to clean your windshield, but really with the heart that it's flying back and hitting the car behind you because you're angry at them for following too closely. So I offer that as a, as a Zach, that's a selling point, right? Uh, that's, a, that's a feature of the vehicle, right? The ability to attack the guy behind you with the windshield washer fluid, right? I said, listen, you, you could do that um, if you need to, but I think that would not be probably Christ-like or a right heart, but it is a feature. So we're joking around with that a little bit. Um, you, you know someone wrongs you on the highway. Your, your heart is to, um, is to get them, right? I'm going to get you. No, Pastor, we're, we're more mature than that. Um, 
you've heard accounts of, of people, you know, suffering these road rage incidents. What, what happens if, what happens if someone wrongs you on the highway and, and you fly into a rage and now you're out to get them? What can happen? What can happen? Zach, did you say something? Crash can happen. You get hurt, right? You can hurt yourself. You can hurt somebody else. There's real consequences, right, for, for not dealing with this natural inclination to always be in the business of seeking retaliation against uh, one another. There, there can be uh, real physical consequences, but certainly there's spiritual consequences also. Uh, if, if we're given over to a prideful anger and rage and uh, a seeking of retaliation that flows naturally out of that, rather than saying, you know what, that, that was me before I was saved, and I've got to do better than this now. I'm just going to yield to the Lord and ask him to work in my heart and, uh, and help me to be meek instead of angry and filled with rage and uh, desiring to get revenge. And there's spiritual consequences if we don't do that. There's an absence of a lack of blessing uh, might flow out of that, but certainly... Uh, I know that if I'm given myself over to anger, uh, prideful anger and rage and retaliation, that's not going to please the Lord. That's, that's going to grieve the Lord rather than pleasing him. And so I do well to take this uh, issue very seriously. Lord, Lord, help me uh, to have that meek. Lord, help me to have that meekness that you desire. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but make a note, please. James 3.13 associates meekness with wisdom. Uh, it associates meekness with wisdom. Who is the wise man and dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness. Meekness of wisdom is the phrase, meekness of wisdom. Uh, there is wisdom in meekness. There is meekness in wisdom. God views meekness, acting, uh, giving your, yielding yourself to the Spirit of God, allowing the Spirit of God to produce a meekness in you rather than just continuing in this prideful, self-centered anger and retaliation. It's, it's wise. God calls this wise. And, and God also says in his word that he values this. Make a note, please. 1 Peter 3 in uh, verse 4. 1 Peter and, and th- uh, 3, chapter 3, verse 4, there we go. Uh, it's specifically addressed to ladies, but guys, you pay attention too, please. There the Lord says uh, through Peter, he actually he commands ladies to have a meek and quiet spirit. Hear the next phrase, please. Which is in the sight of God of great, do you know the verse? Price. It has great value. So God says, listen, this is my desire for you. Uh, it, it's very wise uh, to yield the Lord and, and allow him to produce a meekness in your heart. Uh, it's wise. God values that. Zach, if God va- says something is wise and he values it, would you be surprised to see that he commands it also? We wouldn't be surprised, right? What God values and what God says is wise, which by the way, often will be different than what we naturally think of as wise. God will often command that. Why does he have to do that? <laughs> Stop thinking for a second. Why does God have to command us to do certain things? He can say, hey, this is wise and I value this, but, but why does God have to command certain things that, that honestly he shouldn't have to command? Because we want to do our own thing, right? Naturally, sister, we, we want to do our thing, our way. Uh, we want to we just let our hearts rule, our desires. We're naturally given over to pride and self-interest and desiring to do things our way. We naturally think our way is the best way, right? Anybody guilty of that illness? 
My way is always the best way. <laughs> I'm guilty of that at times, Rich. You know, if I think something ought to be done a certain way, uh, it ought to be done that way. It's got to be the best way. Well, what I know for sure is that the Bible is God's word, and, and his way that he reveals in his word is the best way. Amen? It's the best way. And, and so if he commands us to do something, it's because he knows he has to command us or else we'll try to wiggle out. Yep, God, I know that this meekness, it's, it's wise. And God, I know that, that you value it, but I just love my anger. I, I just love my anger. I love it. Uh, I'm addicted to it, God. I, I love trying to get back at people that get me. I just love that. I love spraying the guy behind me, Lord. <laughs> Lord, help us. Lord, help us. He commands meekness uh, first within churches. Make a note, please, Ephesians 4.1. There, Paul, of course, is writing to the church at Ephesus. And Paul writes under inspiration, he says, I there, it's Ephesians 4.1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, uh, so grammatically all of them, that ye, grammatically all of them, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And he says this, he defines that. He says, this is how they should walk. With all lowliness and what? Do you know the word? It's the M word. Meekness. This, is a, this command given to that church by Paul, by God through Paul, is command. Uh, with all lowliness and, and meekness, with long suffering, uh, a willingness to put up with each other because we're not perfect, forbearing one another in love, doing that is love. Uh, love in action, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit uh, in the bond of peace. God desires that uh, individual that there be a unity within individual churches. We can't have unity with every church out there because there's so much error uh, in so many churches. We're called to separate from error. So I can't be. Uh, by the way, there's a there's great interest in unity in our nation now, right? And, and unity within a nation is not a bad thing. But it's awfully hard to be united with error, isn't it? It's all, awfully hard to be united with error. And, of course, the Lord does not desire that. But he does desire unity within churches. He desires that. Of course, we unite around the word of God. Um, I'll forgive you if you don't um, root for the Buffalo Bills tonight. Uh, it'll be hard for me to forgive you for that. But, but I will. We're not going to unite around that, right? We're not, we're, we're, that's not, we, we base our unity around the word of God. Uh, our salvation and, and God's words. Uh, Paul is teaching the Ephesian church here in Ephesians 4.1 that if they would walk in lowliness and meekness, humbleness and gentleness toward one another, and it, that will produce a long-suffering, uh, a willingness to forbear, want to put up with each other in love, that would help maintain a unity within the church. So this thing to which the Lord uh, is calling us it, it, it's God's desire, and it'll be a help to us, but it's also very practically valuable uh, within churches. If we don't, if we don't yield and, and confess a, a lack of meekness and ask the Lord to, to produce, uh, to bring forth the spirit, uh, the fruit of meekness in our lives, there could be real practical consequences. Churches can't have the unity that we need to carry out the work to which God has called us, and that's, that's a serious thing. Um, I'll read one more verse um, in this area, Colossians 3 and verse 12. Just write that reference down, Colossians 3 and verse 12. Paul there, well, the Lord commands through Paul, the church at Colossae, put on, therefore, he says, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, 
humbleness of mind, meekness, 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 long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Anybody convicted by those words? You ever struggle to forgive people? Church? You ever struggle to forgive people? Church? <laughs> um, the difficulty is normally, usually rooted in our pride. I'm not going to forgive you. You don't deserve to be forgiven. Uh, by the way, do we deserve to be forgiven by God the Father? Church? Anybody here deserve to be forgiven by God the Father? Anybody here deserve to have their sins forgiven? I don't. I don't. Uh, were your sins forgiven by any, uh, because of anything that you've done? No. All I did is place my faith in Christ who paid the price for me, right? I don't deserve to be forgiven by God. Uh, I don't deserve to be forgiven by anybody else in the church for things that I do wrong. You don't deserve to be forgiven. It's just, we, it's not forget. It's, I'll get it out. It's not something that we deserve. But if we'll just humble ourselves before the Lord and ask him to produce a meekness in our hearts, we can be meek toward one another and loving, and we can forgive one another. Uh, James, of course, associates meekness with yieldedness to the Spirit and, and humility. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to uh, seek you for a meek spirit. And, and God, as we do, uh, I pray that you help us to forgive one another, whether it's husband, wife, or, you know, broader family, or church family, or whatever the context is, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to be meek toward one another and, and forgiving. Um, of course, the Lord also calls us to uh, be meek, not only within the church, rich, but also in our interaction with people outside of the church. Did you ever lead anyone to Christ by beating them up with a Bible? You ever run up on someone and just beat them with your Bible and they said, okay, yeah, I'd like to put, no, that's, that's not how that happens, right? But if, if, you'll, if you'll approach someone uh, humbly, if, if you'll approach them gently, uh, kind of meet them where they are and say, hey, listen, I, I know that you're struggling here and here, but let me just share some things with you. I have my Bible. Uh, I wonder if, if, if I could, in a way that's easy to be intrigued, I wonder if I could just share some, some truth with you that, that's been a great help to me and you open your Bible and you kind of just gently walk them through the word, not beating them up, not wrestling them down to the ground, you know, but gently, meekly sharing the gospel with them. Uh, sometimes people get saved, don't they? Some, who beats them up spiritually? The Holy Spirit will convict them, all right? But we've got, to, we've got to have opportunity to get the words out of our mouths into the person's ears so the Spirit of God can work and um, the Lord does command us, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 25, write the verse down, please, the reference. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 25, the Lord commands meekness toward the lost. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, uh, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Also, 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, 1 Peter 3, 15, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness, <laughs> with meekness. Uh, by the way, are you ready to give an answer to anyone that asks you, why do you have so much hope? Could you give an answer? Um, do you have hope today, church? But there's coronavirus. Do you have hope? But there's so much instability, in, even in our own nation today. Do you still have hope? There's all kinds of stuff. The, the economy, the, you know, you still have hope? 
Yeah, we do, because our hope is not based in those things. It's based in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and his words, the, the word of God, and all the promises uh, that he makes to us, including this millennium to which uh, the Lord is alluding to here repeatedly uh, throughout the Sermon on the Mount. That's our hope. Uh, our hope is not based in the difficulties that the world faces today. It's based in the Lord Jesus Christ, what he's accomplished on the cross and the things that he's promised to us. Yeah, we, we have a, a great hope. Uh, if someone asked you today, please, please hear me. If someone asked you today, why do you have so much hope when everyone else is despairing? Why, why do you have so much hope? Um, could, could you give a, a pretty complete answer? Could you do that? I mean, most of us could say it's Christ, right? Could you say that? Could you say that and mean it, church? Amen. I could say that and mean it. I could say it's Christ. Uh, what does it say out on the board? It's been there for weeks now. Christ is the answer. Do we believe that? If we don't, we should take it down, put something else up there. But we do believe it, right? Christ is the answer for every need, every spiritual issue, every emotional challenge. He's, he's the answer. He's the reason that, that we have hope. But you know, that's just the first sentence. Could you, could you lead someone through the gospel uh, using your Bible or using a gospel track and actually give them enough of the word of God that the Holy Spirit could convict them and, and they could be saved? Could you do that? We're commanded to be, to be what? To be ready always to give an answer. Always. Be ready always. Listen, if you're not, let's get ready. Amen? Um, have a gospel track in your pocket, in your purse. Guys don't have a purse, ladies. Ha have, have a gospel track. Know, know the verses. Listen, you may be someone, and I've said this before, if you struggle to remember verses, uh, have them marked in your Bible. Have uh, one of our John and Romans booklets. They're awesome, right? Because they walk you through presenting the gospel, right? It says on the cover, start at this page. And on that page, it's, it has the verse underlined. And on that page, it says, now go to the next page. Could any of us do that? You can do that, right? Lord, help us. Give us opportunities. Give us hearts. Give us opportunity. Help us to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh us a, re asketh us a reason of the hope that is within us. And Lord, help us to do that with meekness. Not looking to beat up some lost person. Not looking down at someone because I'm saved and you're not. Not letting our salvation be an occasion for pride, but uh, remembering that I didn't earn it. Christ earned it for me, even though I don't deserve it. And he's called me. He's called me to, to be ready to give an answer, to share it, and to do it with meekness, gentleness, uh, gentleness, giving the words of, of God in a way that is uh, easy to be entreated. What if, um, what if this is a struggle to be meek? Is it a struggle? Church, is it a struggle? Is it a struggle? Uh, you know, it, it depends how, uh, where are you on that sort of maturity continuum, right? Uh, I, I would dare say this morning, you know, we're at different places on that continuum from baby Christian to fairly mature Christian. But, you know, the old nature is there until we get home to heaven. And no matter where you are uh, on that continuum, the old nature is there. And it's, it is at times going to be a struggle uh, to be meek. How, how, can we, how can we exercise biblical meekness? Well, we need to remember it's produced by God, right? It's not produced by us. It's produced by the Lord in us. 
Uh, it is a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.23, the first word in that verse is meekness, and uh, the point of that, that passage is the Holy Spirit produces these things in us, but you've, you've got to be saved in order to have the Holy Spirit, in order to have that produced in you, right? So you've got to be sure there was a time that you understood that you were a sinner and you repented of sin and you placed your faith in Christ for salvation. You've got to be sure that there was a time. You can remember. I can remember. Maybe I don't know the date, but I remember the circumstances. I, I heard the gospel preached, understood that I'm a sinner. Uh, all sin and come short of the glory of God. Understood there's consequences of that. Spiritual death and in a very real hell, uh, no escape from that apart from faith in Christ this side of eternity. And you made a decision. You turned from sin and you turned to Christ and you placed your faith in him. Have you done that? Praise God. Praise God. If you have, you have the spirit of God indwelling you and, and he'll produce a meekness if you'll yield to him. You'll yield to him. You can use that to share the gospel um, you can employ that meekness when people are irritating you. <laughs> you can employ that meekness from the Lord in your walk with your spouse, co-workers, neighbors. Um, Lord, help us. Understand that Christ is meek and he desires to teach us meekness. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek, lowly in heart. Who is he? He's God the Son. He's God the Son. He said, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Matthew 21 and verse 5, Behold, the king cometh. This is Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek, sitting upon an ass, a colt, a foal of an ass. Meek. He's meek. Does the Lord use trials to grow us? talk about that all the time, right? I think it might use that to humble us and, and to encourage a meekness in our lives. He does. He does. We praise God for that. Uh, if we're convicted this morning that there's more of a prideful, angry tendency and a retaliative, retaliatory kind of habit that flows out of that, let's just confess it. Lord, I, that shouldn't be there. I know that. Help me to put that off and Lord help me to yield to you and uh, Lord I, I just pray that you would as I yield to you you would crowd out that natural tendency and uh, and replace it with a supernatural Holy Spirit powered um, humility and gentleness God give me that please let's go a little bit further here this morning uh, the next thing that we see here in our passage and this is wonderful uh, is number four in the outline number two this morning Jesus proclaimed a blessing uh, in verse 6 for those that do what? Uh, for those which do, what is it? Hunger and what? Thirst. Uh, after what? Righteousness. For those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, he says what? For they shall be what? What does it say? What is it? Filled. He says, he says you'll be filled. One man says this, he says, the verb tenses could be rendered, blessed are they which are hungering, which are hungering and thirsting uh, after righteousness. And, and that's the idea. We have good translation, but, but that's the literal idea of the underlying words. Blessed are they which are hungering, like now, now hungering and thirsting uh, after righteousness. Uh, what's the promise? For, for they shall be filled. 
What is our natural inclination? Brother Ray, is it our natural inclination to hunger and thirst after righteousness? Or is it our natural inclination to hunger and thirst after sinful, lustful, icky things? That's our natural inclination, right? And we're really good at that. Right? We're really good at that. We, we naturally see something and, and want to focus our attention on it. Uh, we naturally can stir up things in our minds that appeal to our lusts. And, you know, that there's pleasure in that for a moment. That's the natural inclination that we all have because we have a sin nature that leads us down that road. We're still responsible, right? Because we permit those things to come before our eyes or come into our minds and uh, we permit them to stay there. We give them a home and, and kind of focus our attention on it because there's pleasure in those things uh, for a season. But let me ask you this this morning. Those sinful, lustful desires, whatever they are, physical things, pornography, uh, alcohol, drug, what it, whatever it is, nicotine, what, whatever it is, whatever it is. I could pick on certain things. I don't need to do that. Let the Holy Spirit do that. Uh, whatever it is. Um, if you're given over to any of those things because there is pleasure in them for a season, um, can you ever get enough to be satisfied? Can you ever get enough to be satisfied? Can you ever get enough of those things to be satisfied? Can you, I mean, if, if, if your attention is given over to sinful things, um, is, is there ever a time when you don't want more of that? <laughs> you just can't get enough of those things. There's no satisfaction in those things. But the Lord promises, he promises a blessing for they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness What's the blessing? For they shall be what? Filled. Filled is filled, right? I mean, that's, that's a picture of being filled up, being, being uh, satisfied with that thing, by that thing, be, being satisfied by that. There, there is a promise of, of satisfaction and contentment um, when we hunger and thirst after righteousness of God and from God, uh, rather than the things of the world, sinful things that, you know, you may be satisfied in the moment, but the next day you want more. Uh, that's, that's how that stuff works. But when we put our attention upon the Lord uh, and his righteousness and hunger and thirst after that, there is satisfaction. Uh, there is satisfaction. One man says this, he says, uh, those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness demonstrate a deep passion for personal righteousness in obedience to God's words display, and display a dissatisfaction with their present uh, spiritual growth uh, in contrast to the self-righteousness and self-satisfaction uh, of the Pharisees. So there, there's, there's a few things here. One is, Lord, help me put off uh, an interest in desiring to be satisfied by things of the world and, and help me to be satisfied. Help me to hunger and thirst after righteousness, uh, righteousness, rightness. Lord, Lord help, me to, help me to desire that more than the sinful things of the world. But then you have to make sure you have that right. Um, what did the Pharisees struggle with? Were they interested in righteousness? They were. They were interested in righteousness, but whose righteousness? 
they were all about righteousness, right? They were all about doing right. Uh, what, was, what was their kind of way to be right with God? It was, it was doing right, yeah? Just doing right. Uh, can anyone be saved that way, by the way? Just doing right? Can you do enough good works to be right with God? Church? Bible says no, right? We're saved by grace through faith, not of works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that's the gist of it at least. Uh, no, my, I don't have enough righteousness that I could be saved. I don't have that to cover my own sins. I, I do not. Uh, turn over to Luke 18 just for a moment, please. I'm going to look there just for a moment. Luke 18. Should have had you turn there before. Turn there, turn there please. Luke 18. Go there quickly, please. The Pharisees, they had a hunger and thirst for righteousness, but it was their own righteousness. It was their own self-righteousness. I could do enough right to be right with God and, and to be satisfied uh, to find a spiritual contentment in, in my own righteousness. Uh, that's not true, by the way. It's, it's a false teaching. It was a false philosophy. Uh, and a false teaching. No one saved that way. The Pharisees trusted in their own self, false self-righteousness. Uh, here Jesus teaches a parable in Luke 18. Look at verse 9, a uh, parable of the Pharisee and the publican. He spake this parable unto certain who trusted in who? What does it say? Themselves. They, they had a self-righteousness. They trusted in themselves that they were what? righteous and despise others. This was the Pharisees' thing. This was their business, their teaching, their, their philosophy. Do right, follow the law, and you'll be fine. Uh, verse 10, here Jesus is teaching, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee, verse 11, stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee. Tell me if you think this is a humble prayer. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. God, thank you that I'm not like other men, uh, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, this guy over here. God, thank you that I'm not like this guy here. Uh, I fast twice in a week. He's obeying the, the, the uh, Old Testament uh, commandments regarding fasting. I give tithes of all that I possess. I do this, I do this, I do this. Uh, verse 13, and the publican standing afar off would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven. Why? Well, that's a picture of humility, right? That's a picture of understanding. I'm nothing. I'm nothing before God. I'm nothing apart from God. There's, there's a picture here of a, an understanding that he has no righteousness in, his, in himself apart from the Lord pouring that into him. The public is standing far off would not so much as lift his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, smote upon his breast, saying, God be what? Merciful to me, a what? Sinner. He knows that he's nothing apart from the Lord. Uh, I, I'm not a righteous man. He's, maybe he was even more practically righteous than the, the Pharisee was, but he understood at the end of the day, still, uh, he's a sinner, and he's absolutely dependent on God uh, for saving grace and absolutely dependent on God to pour a true godly righteousness into his life. God be merciful unto me a sinner. What a wonderful prayer. Verse 14, Jesus says now, I tell you, this man, the publican, went down to his house justified, <laughs> saved, 
rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. Everybody that lifts themselves up is going to be put down. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. By whom? By whom? Church, by whom? God. He understood that he had no righteousness apart from God. He understood that. None that could save him apart from the righteousness of Christ being imputed or, or paid on to his account when he humbled himself before the Lord and repented and, and came to the Lord in faith. He understood that he had no righteousness apart from God. So we see here to hunger and thirst after righteousness to understand that righteousness is of God. True righteousness is from God. It's from God. It's when we yield the Spirit of God and say, Lord, uh, I, <laughs> as a believer, I understand there's, there's not going to be any real righteousness in my life apart from what you produce, the sanctifying influence of the Spirit of God in my life. And so, Lord, I ask you to do that. Lord, just work in my life and, and produce, sanctify me, bring a holiness, a righteousness from you, practically speaking, uh, into my life. Just like I didn't have righteousness that could save me. I don't have righteousness apart from the Spirit of God working in my life to produce a real, true, godly righteousness in my life. Rich, the Lord is teaching here that we should hunger and thirst after that. If I'm not saved, I should have a hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Christ to be paid onto my account. And it is the moment I repent and turn to him and place my faith in him. Once I'm saved... I ought, I ought to desire a real holiness in my life, not a prideful self-righteousness like the Pharisees had, but a humble, Christ-honoring, Holy Spirit-fueled rightness with God that works out itself practically in my life as I yield to the Lord and desire to obey his words and seek the strength of the Spirit of God uh, to enable me to do just that. Uh, the Lord promises a blessing. What's the blessing? What's the blessing at the end of verse 6? They shall be filled. Not with the painful dissatisfaction that comes with hungering and thirsting after lusty things, but a true godly filling and contentment that is supernatural and of God when I place my heart's desire on the Lord, yielding to him and desiring that he would produce a true righteousness in my life. In Isaiah 55, you can turn back to Isaiah if you want. If you prefer, you can just listen. I want to just give you a couple of verses there and we're done. We're, we're done. Back in Isaiah 55, the prophet says this. He says, Ho! Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Uh, he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Um, if, if there is a godly desire, a godly thirst for the Lord and, and his righteousness, he will fill, he will give uh, peace, he will give contentment, he will satisfy us. I'll give you another verse from Luke, stay in, stay in Isaiah. Luke 1 and verse 53, the Bible says, He hath filled the hungry with good things. Lord Jesus Christ fills our lives with good things. He fills our spirits uh, with contentment when we seek hung, uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness uh, from Him. Back in Isaiah, 
Uh, Isaiah prophesies how much righteousness will characterize the millennial kingdom. And uh, let me just share a few of these verses and, and we'll stop. In Isaiah 11 and verse 4, uh, the prophet writes, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, reprove with equity the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. In, uh, in Isaiah 61 and verse 10, the Bible says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed, clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Aren't you glad this morning? Listen, if you've come to Christ for salvation, you've repented, you've placed your faith in him, how does God the Father view you today? Zach, how does God the Father view you today? Righteous. That's your, that's your standing before him. That, that's your position. But I understand this morning also there's, there's, a, there's a process by which that works itself out in our lives practically, and the Holy Spirit fills and fuels and drives that process as we yield to him. The Lord says, listen, hunger and thirst after righteousness for salvation, but as a saved person, hunger and thirst, that that be a practical reality in your life. And be thankful that as you yield, the Holy Spirit does produce that, and there's a satisfaction. There's a contentment and satisfaction in that that the things of the world just never, ever offer us. And praise God. Praise God. Rich, we have a, a perfected world to look forward to in the millennium where righteousness will prevail. I'm going to stop there and let's pray, please. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for these thy words. Father, thank you this morning that we can open our Bibles and understand what, what you desire, understand, Lord, what you desire to bless, understand what will be blessed in eternity. Father, I thank you this morning that you've revealed to us that you desire a meekness in our lives, a gentleness. Lord, I thank you this morning that's possible because of Christ and the Holy Spirit who indwells us after we've come to, when we come to Christ. Lord, help us to yield to the Spirit of God and and, and seek that meekness from you. Father, I thank you this morning that you've revealed to us that you desire that we hunger and thirst after righteousness, to live according to your words in a practical way. Lord, I thank you so much that uh, when we yield and the Holy Spirit steps in and sanctifies us, and sanctifies us a little more and sanctifies us, there is contentment and satisfaction from you. Lord, I thank you this morning that you've revealed that to us in your words and you've shown us that in our lives, in our hearts. Father, I pray this morning that we would truly hunger and thirst after righteousness that only you can produce in our lives. And Lord, as we do and, and you work in our lives, that there would be real contentment. Father, I pray this morning that would bring you honor and glory. Lord, I pray this morning that that would open doors to share the gospel as people see differences in our lives, as they see a, a contentedness in our lives, that they would ask about that. As they see a hopefulness in our lives, Lord, that they would ask about that. And Father, that we would 
be prepared and equipped to give an answer from the Bible and to do so with gentleness, with meekness from you. Lord, that you would work in that opportunity to work in that situation, those situations that you create, lead people to Christ. Father, use us that way, please. Lord, I don't know this morning if, um, to what extent we need to do business with you as individuals. I know, Father, that um, the meekness that we know today is imperfect compared to that which we'll know in heaven and the millennium beyond. Father, I pray this morning that um, if you've convicted us about the need to, to have a greater meekness, a greater righteousness in our lives, Lord, that we would simply confess to you. I'm not, I'm not really hungered and thirst after righteousness. Lord, I'm struggling with hungering and thirsting after some sinful thing. Lord, help me to put that off and to put on a different desire in its place. Maybe you're struggling this morning. You recognize there's a, a prideful anger, uh, not a gentleness, not a Holy Spirit gentleness, but a prideful anger that does not bring honor to Christ. Maybe this morning you want to just say, Lord, I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm convicted by you. I agree with you. I need to put that off. And Lord, I, I, I just humbly bow my heart before you this morning and ask you, to help me do that. Lord, I need your grace to do that for your honor and your glory. I'll give you a minute to pray and we'll close. Lord, I thank you this morning that as believers, as Christians, we have so much hope. We look ahead to a day of a perfected earth, the millennial reign of our Savior. Lord, perfected hearts, perfected bodies. We have so much hope. Lord, help us to not lose sight of that. Lord, the days that we live in now are challenging, can be emotionally challenging. And Father, we, um, we don't always do well emotionally and spiritually. Of course, you know that. Father, I pray that we would not let the difficulty of these days to be an excuse to act unrighteously or an excuse to act without meekness. Lord, I pray that these days would expose where we still need to grow, where there's a lack of righteousness, where there's a focus on ungodly things, where there's a, an anger, a discontentment, a dissatisfaction, a prideful anger and lack of gentleness. Lord, if, if these days, if you're using these days to reveal to us where we still need to grow, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. I thank you that we can grow. If we do, not, we do grow in trials, as we simply confess the sin that is revealed in the course of trials. And so, Lord, I pray you give us a heart to do that today. And Father, I thank you that when we do, there's joy. There's joy in responding to your conviction. Lord, thank you for that this morning. 
Father, I pray that as we leave this building today, that we be reminded that we depart back onto the mission field, our own mission field. Lord, I pray that you would open doors, that you would give opportunities to share the gospel, and that we would do so gently in a way that's easy to be entreated, trusting you to work forcefully to convict and give faith. Father, I pray that as people come to Christ, that you would lead them back here, Lord, that they'd have a desire to learn more, to be baptized into the membership of the church, Lord, to serve you and to be in the business of leading others to Christ. If you understand today, that's your desire for churches, Father, to use us that way. And so, Lord, I pray we not lose focus of that. Lord, we thank you this morning for the amazing privilege to know you through Christ. Father, I thank you for the amazing privilege today to serve you and to handle your words. I thank you this morning, Father, for the amazing privilege to pastor this church and, Lord, to be encouraged by brothers and sisters in Christ and to encourage them. Lord, thank you for visitors in our church this week. We're very, very grateful for them. I pray, Lord, that you just give us the privilege to continue getting to know them and encouraging them uh, in your words and, and fellowship. Lord, we do thank you this morning for our church. I pray that you will work in our business meeting this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your uh, provision, uh, which is beyond our needs. And, and Father, we are grateful for that this morning. We thank you. I understand that people have given, but Lord, you've made it possible for them to do that practically and spiritually. And we're grateful. I'm grateful, Father. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come, please. Zach, lead us in a closing song. Uh, he is going to close us in prayer after that. And um, we're going to do this the way we normally do, okay? So you give us a verse or two now. You close us in prayer. We're going to take five minutes, because I know maybe you need five minutes, okay? Just five minutes. When you hear the piano, come back. We'll sing another verse or two, whatever you lead us in, Mr. Song Leader. And then we'll have our business meeting. The business meeting will not be real long, okay? It's, it's all good news. There's really no problems. But I want to just make a report to you, okay? Um, members, please please do stay. Uh, visitors, you're welcome to stay if you choose to. That, that's fine. We, we don't have, do we have any secrets? It would be kind of fun if we did, don't you think? We don't have any secrets. So, all right, Zach, you come, please. All right, if you would take your song sheets, we'll go to our next song. It'll be Jesus is Coming Again. Stand with me. We only have two verses, so we'll sing the first verse now, and we'll sing the other verse after. So we'll sing the first verse of Jesus is Coming Again. Marvelous message we bring. Glorious carol we sing. Wonderful word of the King, Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon, coming again, coming again. What a wonderful day it will be, Jesus is coming again. All right, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the message we've heard. I pray you would bless the meeting to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.